For Delaware State of the Arts, I'm Andy Trescott. My guest today is Maya Palmer, a 2022 Individual Artist Fellow and the current artist exhibiting in the Mezzanine Gallery at the Carvel State Office Building. Maya Palmer was born in Wilmington, Delaware in 1980. She works primarily in acrylics and charcoal and has also created community murals, digital works, and figurative sculptures. Palmer earned a BFA from Carnegie Mellon University and an MFA from Washington University in St. Louis. She has exhibited nationally as well as internationally in Spain, Germany, and China. Palmer has lived all around the globe and is interested in capturing the unique spirit of each location that she experiences. We're thrilled to have you and we're thrilled to kind of double check the marks here of both you being an IAF fellow, but also uh, exhibiting in the Mezzanine Gallery. And we're thrilled to talk about your work today. So can you tell us a little bit about how you found yourself branching into the visual arts world and kind of what gave you inspiration? I think it's fair to say I've always been interested in visual arts ever since I was a kid. My mother, while she wasn't an artist um, once her kids were born, but she did have some artwork up on our walls that she had done when she was younger. And I think that helped cultivate an interest in the arts from a young age. And I would say I had amazing teachers when I was in high school. I went to Brandywine High School and I had a really wonderful teacher, Terry Walton, and she was super formative, I think, in helping me decide to become a visual artist. And then when I went to college, I went to Carnegie Mellon and you do have to apply to their fine arts school. So I made that choice going into school to be a visual arts major, although I was torn, to be honest, between visual arts and majoring in Spanish. So language, words, um, conversation with people has always been an integral part of my value system. And although I didn't major in Spanish, I have tried to combine my interest in language and text and um, relationships with people into my artwork. Can you expand on that a little bit and tell us kind of an example of how that would present itself in your artwork? So if you do see my work at the Mezzanine Gallery, I a lot of the works have text where I've added personal narrative, I also added QR codes to four of the artworks. And with those QR codes, I'm telling a story about that artwork and how that artwork came to be. And so that's sort of how I've taken it in this body of work. But I have done other artwork, um, other portraits. I do think that portraiture is probably my favorite type of artwork. And that's because you can have a relationship with another person. And I love that back and forth where you are sort of both not only discovering each other, but discovering more about yourself through conversation. And for me, that's almost as much a part of the art, just having that conversation as the final output itself. Um, I created a painting recently of my friend Zen and it's it's on my website and it is an acrylic painting of her uh painted in black and white acrylic and then the background is black chalkboard paint and she has written her story on that artwork and i know zen through salsa dancing but she is an advocate for survivors of sexual assault and domestic abuse 
And she is also half Pakistani and she advocates for women of color. And she makes these amazing posts on social media that to me are so powerful. So I invited her to come and sit for a portrait. We talked about what that might look like, how we might want to share her story. And then she literally shared her story in her own words in the background. And Mm. to me, that's really important in terms of portraiture. It's not just me making a judgment on my subject, right? It's a conversation. It's a dialogue of how they want to be represented, how they see themselves, how they want others to see themselves. And all of that is tied up in language as well as the visual. So I like to combine uh, some elements of word or text into my artworks. But again, even when I'm not, it's there in, in the preparatory work. What do you find are some of the most important values that you harbor as both an artist, but also as an arts educator? Well, definitely commitment to change. There, I think that art is one of the most powerful tools we have to share stories and to help people see, quote, the other in a personal light, right? And so for me, that's super important um, with these portraits and, and with those collaborations that I was talking about. Um, in a way, I was the other in my exhibit at the mezzanine. I was the other, the the woman who has migraines, who's always calling out from work, who can never make it. And a lot of people did not understand what it means to suffer from chronic migraines. So I'm hoping that with this exhibition, I'm bringing to light that illness and right making people who suffer from chronic migraines and other invisible illnesses such as fibromyalgia um make them more visible right make 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 the the viewer see that person as an individual not just as a member of a group and i like to do that with my other portraits as i mentioned with my portrait of zen right showing her as this strong powerful advocate um and just sharing her story and i think that People oftentimes, because they put a value on art, they say, oh, this took a lot of time. Wow, I can't do that. So then when they look at it, it makes them spend a little bit more time thinking about that person, thinking about their story than if it was just in the news, right? You see news every day, but you don't see a portrait of this person every day and it makes it personal. And I hope that by showing people and sharing stories that really just our understanding for humanity can expand and grow as you see these stories and these portraits. And I hope to share that with my kids, right? Now, my issues are not going to be the same issues that are important to my kids, but I want to teach them that you can make a difference through your art right? You have this amazing skill and you each have a story. You each have a concern. You each have something to share and use your art to get it out there in the world. Um, So for me, that is, that's a huge component of why I make my art and why I love teaching art as well. For those that don't know, Maya is a teacher at Cab Calloway School of the Arts. And can you tell us to similar to that point, uh, an example, right, of a student excelling at advocating either for themselves or someone whose voice can't be heard? Well, it happens a lot. I am very impressed by the work of the students at CAB. They blow me away. Uh, I have a student, Bianca, and she's a senior this year. 
And we did a hand project last year. And she did these hands that were reaching and they were pulling on a rope. And it was amazing. And she didn't know how quite to finish it. And we talked about a lot of solutions. And she came up with a solution of tearing newspaper and collaging it into the background. And it and the work took on this second meaning, right, about potential racial and bias or, or racial bias. Um the two sides pulling against each other, um, the tug of war that happens in society between races, between genders. And it actually went on to win an award. And now in her AP studio art class, she is tackling her experiences. Um, her family is from Puerto Rico and she's really looking into those experiences. Now, she's certainly not the only one. She's the student that pops into my head first thought, but so many of my kids are tackling really important issues. Um, I also try to tie it in even at the most basic level. So for example, we do at the beginning of the year, my foundations class, a project where kids choose emotions and they use color and line to uh, illustrate an emotion. Now, I'm not asking them to solve the world's problems with this emotion, but it was really great to see some of my kids then in the critique really opened up and I found it so powerful. And they were telling me how, you know, this is reflective of how I felt um, these past few years and the depression and the struggle that I've had. And so they are self-advocating even in basic assignments, right? They take it and they run with it. Um, a lot of their work is personal and powerful, and I'm just thrilled to be there and to encourage them with this. I think something you brought up is something that those of us who aren't visual artists uh, sometimes grapple with, is the idea that uh, a piece of art may never actually hit its final stage, right? And that sometimes uh, it's finished for the stage that you're in. Uh, but then there might be a second piece or a third piece that goes along with that. Can you speak a little bit as an artist, what goes into your head as you're finishing a piece uh, and when you know that that piece is in fact, uh, quote unquote, done? Well, and I, I think that's a great question. And it is also, if my kids are listening, listen up. <laughs> um, when you talk about how a, a, a piece might be you, you might do it, but it might not be the final thing. And that's, you know what, like, that's okay. Um, I've actually taken things that were just going to be a study. And actually it was like, nope, I'm actually going to call it art. Right. And so sometimes those things do become artworks. And the other thing that I think is super important is even if you take an idea and you finish it and you develop it and you call it done, if you want to come back to that same idea and tackle that image again in a different way, you go for it, right? I want to take just a minute here to remind our listeners that you're tuned in to News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV for Delaware State of the Arts. So Maya, your exhibit up now is called Making the Invisible Visible. Would you share a little bit with us about what that title means to you and how the work that we see on the walls is reflective of that? Migraine falls into a category of illnesses that is typically considered invisible illness, right? Um, uh, it, it's not like where you have the, the flu and you're sweating and it's beating down your face and you have a pallor and you're coughing and it's real. You, you can tell who has the flu, right? Um, migraine is invisible. There are no outward symptoms necessarily, right? Um, so, and I think that makes it very easy for people to be dismissive of it. 
and to brush it off as not real or exaggerated. And I've dealt with that. I've dealt with that in the workplace. I have been discriminated against in the workplace for having these migraines. And it's a problem. And if I know it's a problem for me, it's it's a problem for other migraine sufferers as well, right? Um, and so with this exhibit, I wanted to make it clear. I wanted to make it visible, this illness that is so often overlooked, right? Um, there's not much awareness surrounding migraines, even though it's extremely prevalent in our society, particularly in women. There are a lot of um, hormonal influences, but it's not just that. I mean, the list goes on and on. And because it's underfunded and under-researched, no one knows exactly what causes them or how they work. So even up until recently, they were just throwing medicine at you that was for something else that they were just crossing their fingers that would hope would help you, right? And a lot of times they don't. Hopefully seeing these images and hearing my stories that go with it could give them perhaps more empathy and understanding towards the people in their life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a coworker that might be going through a similar experience, right? Um, and certainly that's one of the reasons I made these drawings so large. <laughs> they are, most of them are about 38 inches wide by 50 inches tall. And so my face is pretty darn big <laughs> with my migraine looking out at the viewer. You can't ignore it at that point. I also use charcoal. So again, any of my students will know that charcoal can be infuriating because you put it on the paper and it's there and then you draw somewhere else and then you've smeared it and it's erased and then you have to draw and redraw and erase it and redraw it. And it's this back and forth, this never ending process. And that's kind of what it feels like to have a chronic migraine, this never ending cycle. And then I also... About partway through my series, I started using thread and sewing some of these pieces together. And for me, it was a really appropriate material because sewing has always been a typically feminine art, right? And migraines are more often suffered from by women than by men. And so it seemed like a good tie-in. And then also, I, I really enjoy using this sort of semi-transparent parchment-like paper because it feels like skin to me. There's something about it that has this transparent skin-like quality. And then when you're piercing that with this needle and sewing it together, you're, everything gets messy and things like thread is everywhere. And I was trying to somewhat emulate the experience of a migraine through the act of creating the work. So hopefully viewers um, might be able to feel some of that when they look at it as well. You work with other mediums of art as well, uh, not just charcoal on paper. And so can you share with us some of your favorites or maybe a piece that uh, was informed by some of these drawings that just has now made its way into this new medium? Yeah. So I was doing a lot of landscapes. Um, I was doing a lot of miniature landscapes in oil painting. And so it's almost similar to the way I think about portraits. So what I like to capture in portraits is those stories, like everybody has a story, right? I don't care if you're Joe the neighbor or someone who works behind the counter. We all have a story and we are all interesting people who deserve to be heard. And so I like my portraits to bring out that story, right? I think of the same way in landscapes. I like to see those 
spots that might be overlooked that to me are very charming or unique or have some allure, right? So I did paint some, you know, typical Delaware landscapes because you got to do it. But I also um, painted the trellis um, at my neighbor's house, the telephone wires down by the riverfront, um, the acorns on my parents' porch, right? Like these are all these sort of moments that are almost like a portrait in landscape form, right? They're telling this little miniature story about this spot that could be easily overlooked. I love also the use of pattern. So pattern and text, you will see find their way into my work somehow, almost always. Um, I also did a series of work where I was drawing on dictionary pages. I actually found this when I was looking for a class assignment. Like I said, the, the push and pull between schoolwork and my artwork is, it happens a lot. <laughs> so I created this assignment. Um, it had been on um, probably one of the teacher, teacher pages that I'm on as a fun assignment. I did a demo with my kids. I drew a plant on a dictionary page that said the word plant. And I was like, ooh, this is fun. And I just started doing more and more and more of them. And then I was doing commissions and drawing dogs with their names and love and family. And it was great fun. I love doing those as well, just because usually if you look at them, most of them are humorous in a way. I also like to put humor into my work. You'll see that too with some of the migraines. One of them, I have a box on my head. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so humor is important. One of the other things that I really love doing is also digital work. I have created several coloring books. Um, my first coloring book that I did is when I was doing a summer abroad in Berlin with my MFA program. And it, I was staying in the sort of Turkish area of Berlin and there was this playground um, and a lot of the kids were Turkish, German who were there. And for some reason, they didn't seem to mind my just wandering on in and chatting with them and talking to them. And so I talked with some of the kids and the people who worked there about how they would like to be seen. And some of them had real imaginative answers like, oh, like as a mermaid or I, I don't know. They had all sorts of crazy answers. And I took those and I digitally created portraits of them based on those interviews and combined them into a coloring book. So that was my first one. And then several years ago, I made a coloring book called A Portrait of Delaware, a coloring book meet and greet. And so I did portraits of family members, friends, um, the woman at the Acme who always gave me my cheese, <laughs> um, a woman who worked at Trader Joe's. I met this couple at the Brandywine uh, Creek State Park, and we got to talking about the park and this cool thing that they found. So I turned that into a coloring book page. So again, this idea of sharing these moments with people, these conversations and these little hidden, hidden stories, right? And so I turned that into a coloring book. It was very fun. And then plug, I am about to send to print my third coloring book. It's called Quarantine, an adult coloring and activity book. Please note it is for adults. This is not a children's coloring book. <laughs> um, and so again, I made this when we were, you know, those first probably three to six months of COVID when no one was leaving their houses, right? My only form of communication 
was through the internet. And so here I am chatting with people, right? Uh, all of my different friends and my friend groups. So that should be coming out in about a month or so. Um, so I love coloring books, right? It's portraiture in digital book format, right? And it gives you a chance to, to have a conversation with someone. And one of the things that I love most about portraiture is how good it makes people feel. But also just affirming you, you are important. Tell me your story, share that with me. And, and it makes people feel so heard and listened to. And I love to do that. Um, so that was just a really fun collaboration. Keep your eyes open for when that is ready for purchase. <laughs> well, and Maya, thank you for sharing your story today. And this can be our own little portrait. If you'd like to see more about what's coming next for Maya, or uh, perhaps buying one of her coloring books, feel free to visit her website at www.mayapalmer.com. Delaware State of the Arts is a weekly podcast that presents interviews with arts organizations and leaders who contribute to the cultural vibrancy of communities throughout Delaware. Delaware State of the Arts is provided as a service of the Delaware Division of the Arts in partnership with News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. The Delaware Division of the Arts, a branch of the Delaware Department of State, is committed to supporting the arts and cultivating creativity to enhance the quality of life in Delaware. Together with its advisory body, the Delaware State Arts Council, the division administers grants and programs that support arts programming, educate the public, increase awareness of the arts, and integrate the arts into all facets of Delaware life. To find out more about the division, visit arts.delaware.gov.